Let's begin with uh, actually uh, a reading from the Gospel of John, uh, the words of Jesus where he says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then these words from the Gospel of Matthew from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a story of two persons who were interred in a concentration camp. And both were looking through their barracks windows. And it was a particularly dark night. It was, it was pitch black. And as the prisoners looked out their windows, they couldn't see the, the barbed wire and the towers and the guards and the machine guns. It was just a few yards away from their barracks. One prisoner looking into the endless darkness said, I see only the night. It is so dark. If I look down, I only see the mud in which this camp is swimming. But then another prisoner looking out the windows of his cell block looked out into that same dark night, and he looked up. And he thought to himself, I can make out little pinpricks of light. Look at the stars. One prisoner had no hope. The other prisoner had hope. And if you've heard the little saying, Two people looked out through prison bars. One saw mud, the other saw stars. For the people of Israel, in the days of King Herod, the world must have seemed especially dark. Nation after nation had conquered the people of Israel. They were humiliated. They were, they were oppressed time and again. And an attitude of gloom descended upon the people. And so many looked down and they saw nothing but mud. But there were some wise men in the East. Magi, astrologers, people steeped in the lore of stars and their influence over human affairs. They looked up into the night sky, to the darkness, and, of course, they saw, they saw stars, but they saw a very extraordinary, unique star that seemed to them to be a sign of a new beginning. And it filled them with hope. And sure enough, that was the beginning of the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Arise, shine, for your light has come. 
and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. The nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Unto us is born a child who has come to dispel the darkness of sin and human suffering and death. He has come as a light into a very dark world. This past week, the horrific events in Paris have brutally, brutally reminded us of just how dark this world can be. And it seems as though there is no end to all this, right? It just seems like the darkness of evil is, is going to extend forever. The whole thing actually has been rather depressing, has it not? And then you add to this all of our personal problems and our issues, and, and we can so easily give in to despair. Well, there's lighten the mood a little bit. Story of a, some kids who were putting on a Christmas play. And uh, part of the deal was, uh, the, kind of the climax of the play was uh, when the baby was born uh, and uh, the plan was to put an electric light bulb in the manger with this doll. And at the appropriate time, then all the lights would be switched off and only the, the, the electric light bulb would be on to show forth the radiance of the newborn king. And so the time came, you know. Only the light guy got confused, and he turned off all the lights. And uh, there was a moment of awkwardness, and then you could hear shepherds off the side with a loud stage whisper. Hey, you switched off Jesus. <laughs> well, sometimes we look out at our world and at our lives and it seems as though someone has switched off Jesus. And it may seem rather dark and hopeless. But in fact, we're reminded again, the light still shines. And the darkness will not overcome it. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what does that mean for you and for me? What does it mean to follow the light? The one who says that he is the light of the world. Well, the illuminating quality of light brings courage and security. And you know how it was as a kid, you know? You know, being afraid of the dark. You know, you're there in the bed, your parents say goodnight, they turn off the lights, and all of a sudden, you worry about the monsters under the bed and in the closet. And you cry out, Mom, Mom! And they come in and they turn, off, turn on the lights. And all is well. Fear dispels, right? And then from then on, you have night lights, <laughs> which really is, was helpful to me, especially growing up. The light of Christ 
dispels the shadows of darkness and fear so that we can have comfort and security. Because God came to us in Jesus as a light, there is cause for hope instead of despair, reason for courage instead of fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The star in the sky led the wise men to Bethlehem's manger. It was a star of hope to those who lived in a land of deep darkness. The Savior's birth was announced with the words, Fear not! So that whether we are facing a serious illness or a financial reversal or a painful loss or a troubled personal relationship or, you, or we're worried to death about the people we love, the illuminating quality of his life is able to bring courage and security. That no matter what happens, we find ourselves in the loving embrace of a God who will never let us go. No matter what happens, no matter how dark the world gets, we're in God's loving and competent hands. Well, light illuminates and is therefore able to guide us. All of us need direction in life. We all want to know how to live and what to live for. But too often, we, f we find our own direction in life, and we set the course of our life by our own lights, by what we think is best. And what we end up doing then is we end up in a dead ends. Or we, you know, we kind of grope around. When the darkness descends, you know, we just kind of stumble and fall. Too often, we walk the wrong way, feeling overwhelmed by life and its problems. So we need a guide in our uncertainty, in our confusion. So Jesus says to you and to me, hey, I'm the light of the world. Follow me, and you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Set your course by me, and you won't go wrong. I like the story of the officer in the Navy who had always dreamed of taking command of his own battleship. He finally achieved his dream, and he was given command of the Navy's best, the proudest ship in the fleet. But on one dark and stormy night, as the ship was plowing through the seas, the captain was on duty on the bridge, went off to the port. He noticed that there was a light that was rapidly closing in on his vessel. So immediately he ordered his signalman to flash the message to the unidentified craft, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. And a moment later came the response, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. Well, determined that his ship would, take, would not take a backseat to any other, the captain snapped out the command of the signalman, alter course 10 degrees, I am the captain. And the response came back, alter your course 10 degrees, I am Seaman 3rd Class Jones. And now infuriated, the captain grabbed the signal light himself and fired off, alter the cor your course, I am a battleship. To which came the response, alter your course, I am a lighthouse. 
That's a great story. I like that. So sometimes in our pride, we think we know in the way, the way in the darkness and the, through the stormy seas of life and we stubbornly set our own course. But unless we set the course of, by our course by the one who calls himself the light of the world, we are liable to get into trouble and run aground. We ignore the light to our peril. So Jesus says, follow me. I am the light of life. Follow me. And that means walking in his footsteps, attempting to think as he thought, loving as he loved, doing as he did. It means paying careful attention to what he says, to his teachings, and walking in obedience to them. The Greek verb translated to follow is uh, akaluthin, but it's a word that implies faithfulness obedience, discipleship, companionship. All these things are necessary if we are to make our way through life. But it's also the nature of light to be reflected. The moon and the stars have no light in themselves. They only reflect the light of the sun. And it's the same way for you and for me. We are created to reflect the light of God's Son. Now, when we think of some of our Christian friends uh, that we admire, you know, we think of some people who are really living it. Uh, There is something about them that is attractive. Uh, They're making a difference in their lives. We're, you know, it's a sense in which we kind of want to be like them. But then we realize that though they may not have spiritual light in themselves, they are actually reflecting the light of Christ in them to us. They're out in the world and they're flinging back the darkness. They they just kind of glow. We've all known people like that, haven't we? People who are really living it. Uh, I... uh, there's a story of the little boy who uh, was with his mother, and they were in this, this cathedral, and they were admiring stained glass windows, and it was a bright, sunny day, so the light was really shining through, and, and the, the little boy asked his mom, Mom, who are all those people up there? And his mom said, Well, uh, son, they're all, they're all saints. And uh, the little boy, of course, didn't know what the saints were, but as he was kind of looking again, gawking at the windows, he said, Mom... Saints must be people who let the light shine through. You know, and, and I think we all know some contemporary saints who are, in fact, ordinary people, but who are really allowing the light of Christ to shine through them. We see it in their eyes and in their joy and in their good works and in their love. So we need to ask ourselves a question, to what degree am I reflecting the light of Christ? Is his light shining through me? Now, you remember Jesus said, not only, I am the light of the world, but he, then he paid us the greatest compliment, actually. You are the light of the world. 
Let your light so shine that others may see your good works and so give glory to your Father in heaven. Our light is a reflected light. And so we are to let it shine through us. I like Eugene Peterson's rendering of this verse. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So you and I are not to keep our light confined to uh, our campus, our church campus. He didn't say, you are the light of the church. We're not to huddle together on Sunday mornings and light our candles and bask in the warm glow of our fellowship, only to hide that light out in the world Monday through Saturday. But no, we're to arise and shine that all might be drawn to its light. And again, how do we best draw people to the light? These are the words of Madeline Langle, uh, the Christian writer. I think these are right on, especially for our day. We draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. Now, isn't that beautiful? We're not to be out there in the world condemning the world but to letting the light of Christ's love and peace and joy, letting it shine through us so that people are drawn to it, so that people realize that it's not really our light, but it's the light of Christ shining within. So each of us can be a light to those who are sitting in darkness. We can show forth our love in concrete, practical ways, whether it's visiting the sick, or the lonely, or providing food to the needy, or encouraging a troubled neighbor. We can reach out in all kinds of ways, even if it seems rather small and insignificant. Now take care not to assume that because your light seems so small that it doesn't really matter what you do. This past summer, Belinda and I visited... Uh, the lighthouses, some lighthouses along the Oregon coast. And we learned about Fresnel lenses. These are very special lenses made in France that were the cutting edge technology of the last half of the 19th century. And if you've ever looked at the lens of a magnifying glass, you know that the glass is thickest in the middle, right? And uh, tapered to the sides, you know, towards the edges. In other words, this is kind of interesting. I learned this. <laughs> it's shaped, a lens is shaped like a lentil from which we get the word lens. Isn't that cool? <laughs> huh? From lentil to lenses. 
Wow. Stick around me, you'll learn all kinds of interesting things. <laughs> but actually, the Fresnel lenses, lenses, there's an optometrist over here who's making me nervous. <laughs> uh, no rabbi, uh, uh, yeah, I did poorly in physics. <laughs> But the Fresnel lens uh, is flat on one side, actually, and ridged on the other. And uh, they are able, by the principle of magnification, to take the vertical light of, a, of an oil lamp and focus a horizontal beam of light over long distances. Now, the Hasida Lighthouse, which is my favorite lighthouse of all time. Now, Mukilteo is wonderful. You know, Mukilteo has its own Fresnel lens, and I, you know, obviously, and we've all seen pictures of that lighthouse and been there, but... But this one is really spectacular on the Oregon coast south of Newport. Uh, and uh, uh, that lighthouse could throw a beam of light 26 miles. You know, the, the, from the, the light of the oil lamp, the lens can throw it that far. It's just amazing to me. It's, it's a big uh, Fresnel lens that they have. And it's, it was interesting to learn that the light lighthouses of the Oregon coast are actually about 26 miles apart, and that each throws an identifying flash of light so that mariners know exactly where they are in relationship to the coast. I, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that lighthouses had their identifying lights, and it makes sense, doesn't it? So I learned that too. That was kind of interesting. But the point is this. Our light may seem small, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is able to take those efforts and is able to magnify its, their effects in ways that would be astounding, I think, if we only knew. I think sometimes even giving a cup of cold water to somebody who is thirsty might have eternal consequences. We don't know. But God can magnify its effects. God has God's own Fresnel lens. So, you and I are to glow in the sun and leave the rest to him. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. To follow him is to have the light of life. Amen. Amen, amen.